welcome to Walker Ministries, where we believe in one new man, one new man in Yeshua, Jew and Gentile. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can't you just feel God's love in here? Amen. Can't you feel God's love in here? Can't you feel his healing in here? Glory to God. Glory to God. His love is just so uncomprehensible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just to hear his word brings comfort. Just to hear his word brings joy. Just to hear his word brings peace. Just to hear his word brings illumination and understanding. Just to hear his word brings life into this mortal body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It quickens the body. Hallelujah. And stirs up the soul. Glory to God. Glory to God. If it wasn't for God on our side, where would we be? Where would we be? In whatever situation that you find yourself in today, still, if it wasn't for the glory of God, where would you be? Where would you be without the Lord? His mercy upon the life of us. His grace, he says, is sufficient for whatever you're going through, whatever you're experiencing. He said, my grace is sufficient. He said, you, you would never have to endure what I endured. You didn't have to endure the blood-stained cross. You didn't have to endure that. You didn't have to give a life for a life. But my grace, it is sufficient. It's the strength. And he said, when you don't know where to turn, he said, run to the place, the hill that's higher than yourself. Run to that secret place, that secret place of prayer where there's strength to build you up, bring life, allow you to see again properly how you should see yourself and those around you. Allow you how to truly love as he loves. Amen. Where would we be? You may be seated. I truly come today with a hard word. But I come with a word from God that's from a deep place in his heart. I come with a word from the Father, which is a plead. He has a plead to this entire nation, to this entire world. I come with a plead from the Heavenly Father. I come with a plead that you return back to him. I speak as a yielded vessel, as an oracle of God, that he says, return back to me. This is a plead from the Heavenly Father. He is saying to the world, those who are called by his name, 
return back to me. Historically, biblically, this has been his plea throughout the world, throughout ages. He said, return back to me. The rebellious, the backslider, he said, return back to me. The stiff neck, the disobedient, return back to me. This was his plea to Israel, Pastor. The entire time, return back to me. And we're not hearing that now. Return back to me, he says. Your ways of doing, your will, your speech, your behavior. He said, return back to me. A lot of times we think that we are doing the will of God because we're in church. And we read the word and we pray. And we fast according to how we define fasting. But God has his exact instruction on how we are to return back to him. So I want to talk to you today about the Father's heart and a deep yearning, a resounding cry of Holy Spirit that's asking you, pleading with you to return back to him. And to do that, you must know and have the reality of knowing what repentance is and also atonement. Amen. And my hope is that this message will cause you, it will cause you to return back to him, the young and the old, to return back to him out of your wayward ways. You don't understand. Days of old, the prophets, when they preached returning back to God, come out of your will and out of your way and come back to God. Come out of your circumstance. Come out of your situation and return back to God. This is a loving warning to return back to God completely, wholly, and obey Him in order that your lives you live your life according to the word of God. Return back to him in order to where you will live for God. And your obedience will be with the fullness of heart and soul. Return back to him with a heartfelt repentance. That is, it will erupt from a deep within and unrestrained fervor, and touch every dimension of your life. This is the kind of returning back to God. We can no longer do what we've been doing and say what we've been saying, and saying that we are children of God. This is a plea from your Heavenly Father. Let's find out what repentance means. 
Teshuva, T-E-S-H-U-V-A-H, returning back to God. Acts 2.38 reads this. Apostle Peter said, change your old way of thinking. Change how you've been thinking about yourselves, your life, your situation, your circumstance. He said, change your old way of thinking and turn from your sinful ways. Turn away from coming against God and follow him. Live accordance to the word of God. And you will receive the gift that will cause you to live for God, which is the Holy Spirit. In Hebrew of the Old Covenant, there are two words that use the concept of repentance. And it's spelled N-A-H-U-M, Nahum, to lament, to grieve. This word is describing the emotion that arise and motivate you to take a different course of action. Do you grieve over going the wrong way to where it takes control of all your emotions? They arouse in you and they cause you to turn towards God. Do you ever experience when you're going against God that all of your emotions, suddenly when you read the word of God or you think about or you remember who you are, that your emotions come up inside of you and cause you to turn back towards God, grieving that you have sinned against him. Not crying, but you have a true repentance, changing the way of how you think. Shum, S-H-U-B, the word expresses a radical change in your mind. A instant radical change towards sin. How I feel about what I did. How I feel about how I was thinking. I have a radical change. It means that this thought takes over the other thought. It's radical. It's a revolt against that old thought. And implies a conscious moral separation from that sin. In a decision to forsake it and agree with God. See, but what goes on normally with your emotion is your situation. Your old ways of thinking. You can relate to that. Is that I have to have this. I have to do that. So you have some emotions inside of you that arouse up and you have to do what's wrong. And we answer that. But the word of God comes to bring a revolt against that. And there's a new emotion for the word of God. 
feeling like I have to do what's right now. I have to do what's really going to cause me to live and have a have reality of living real life. It's going to cause me to want to really live and no longer exist and do the things of the kingdom. It will become your existence. The word of God will become your existence. Everything about you. The word of God should already be your existence. It's what I breathe. It's what I do. It's what I think. It's when I sleep. It's when I, when I, it's all throughout the day. The word of God is in your existence. It's when I eat. It's when I move. It's when I get in the car. But is this you? See, now this is why when we come in or fall into trying situations that we don't have the strength to see how the situation should really be. And so we succumb to the situation and we bow down to it. We're talking about changing your old ways of thinking. Repent. So then repentance then is acknowledging that we are cognitively mistaken about the nature of reality. I.e., there is a divinely sanctioned moral order, a sanctioned moral order that's in place, which is the word of God. A sanctioned order, just like a law, the, the land of the law, there's laws and order. And we are guilty of violating that order and in a state of profound alienation until we are divinely reconciled. So you, if you come against that divine order of the word of God and how you're supposed to live, then you alienate yourself from the word of God. And this is what happens when you sin. It separates you from God. And so now you are a perfect prey for the enemy. He has your mind. He has your thoughts. He has your will. And so it's impossible to tell him no. Because you have violated a divine order of God. And it starts in your thinking. How we think. Our change of mind, if it's genuine, will lead you to a change of heart. A change of mind, if it's genuine, if you really want to do it, if you really want to serve the Lord, then you will have a change of heart. Do you want to have a change of heart? Yeah, and then you have to change your mind. Talk about a little bit these words, repentance. When you talk about repentance, you have to talk about atonement. And atonement in the Jewish faith, which we are one of, and it's part of who we are now because we are the one new man. Amen? Is that it's the most Holy day, Yom Kippur, is one of the most holy days of the calendar year. The most holy day. And the reason it's the most holy day is because this is a prophetic event to where you, it's the coming of the Messiah. It's the cleansing 
and forgiveness of the people. It's the work that Jesus has done. This is the most holy day. This brings you to the reality of what he's already done and what he is, what he's going to do. His return. Atonement. Atonement means to cover. I'm not going to get real deep into atonement, but I want you to understand that it brings about the restoration. There's a revival in atonement. This was the restoration of Israel. This was the final judgment of the world. Final judgment of the world. This is a day of great intercession. Because that was the day that he stood in the gap for you. So when we talk about fasting, atonement, Yom Kippur, when they fast, it was 25 hours. To, and they abstained from all worldly things, anything of the flesh, they abstained from it. Food, events, whatever. What's that, Pastor? Intimacy. They restrained from everything. 25 hours with intense prayer in the synagogue. They didn't do it at home. It was together. Pastor, it was together all in one place, 25 hours. Intense prayer. Cleansing, afflicting. They were afflicting their soul. Order of the Yom Kippur. Good. Yom Kippur, see, and this is why, and I had to repent the vows because I'm like, you know, Tuesday, I'm real transparent. Tuesday night, I mean, Tuesday is the day that we fast, right? Supposedly, but because, <laughs> but because the way religiously, the way that the church would fast, I felt like we really didn't fast. So I'm like, I'm really not going to fast, or I'll do it, but I wouldn't really see it as a true fast because the way that the church have done fast. So I had to repent to him, but when I read how we're supposed to do it, see, we're still, we're still not doing it right. You have to afflict your soul. All the things and how you've been thinking and your behavior all of these things you bring to God, your way of thinking, and for 25 hours we come together in this one place with intense prayer of cleansing the soul. Your emotions. See, this this is real deep. We haven't begun to fast yet, Pastor. <laughs> we have not begun to fast. I'm trying to get them... Just in the mindset. Amen. It says, in return, then after you do this, because this is all about forgiveness. That's right. Then you can return back to God. And returning back to God is this. Obtaining your first love. 
And this is why when you come to church, don't quite feel like praising the Lord. You're tired. You're yawning. You just got other, got the world on your mind. You got your situation on your mind. You got the things that went on at home this morning on your mind. You have everything on your mind. The lack of money, the lack of sleep, the lack of whatever. But when you actually fast, Pastor, it returns you back to your original state. I know that's right. See, but see, but this is this has not been happening. This is why we have to say, oh, clap your hands, oh you people. God is good. Wave your hand. Extend your hand. Praise the Lord. See, the reason that you're not doing that is because you still have your old mindset. You're still at home. Yep. You're still in your situation. You're still all about your job. You're still all about you. You don't trust. You're not trusting God. Exactly. That's not trusting, trusting the Lord. That's right. He said, return back to me after you have afflicted your soul. Return back to your first love. You have affection for everything else. This is why, even, even with our children, because this is generational. This is why the atonement involves, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go through here. Let's just go. Yes, Pastor? I, I just want to reiterate mm -hmm. the seriousness of what you're saying. Um. Also in Leviticus, and I haven't looked at his note, in Leviticus 23, 19, he says, if there <clears throat> is any person who will not humble himself on this day, mm -hmm. he will be cut off from his people. I'm just saying, this is right here. This is the seriousness of the requirements of repentance. And you have to, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter how difficult it is to love someone, you have to love them. Yep. That should be easy for us. Because it's not about you. Because if you find it hard to love them, it's something wrong with you. you. Not with them. You still have to. You still have to love. You still have to love. Man, he commanded you to. <laughs> no matter how you've been, been treated or being treated. Jeremiah 1.5 says this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I okay. separated you for myself. I have appointed you to be a prophet to the nation. Return back. First thing is to believe. First thing is to believe that I am God. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he said, I knew you. What is he saying? He knew you and you knew him. He said, we were intimate. I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He said, I was your first love. See, see what, he said, I was your first love. 
Because I knew you before you were formed. No one else knew you like I knew you. I knew you before you were even born because you were with me. I am your first love. See, this is why we find it difficult to serve God because he's not our first love. Someone or something is your first love. It could be your pain. It could be your sickness. It could be your lack. Why, why is money always there? It could be your lack of money. Your first, you have something that you love. This is why God even asked for a tithing because you, he said you have a treasure. And I should be your treasure. Anything that you can't depart from and offer to God, then he is not your first love. If you can't forsake all, then he is not your first love. If you can't forsake your will and what you want to do, Somehow we're real tired when it comes to church, but somehow you're able to still go to work and make money. Or play video games all day. Whatever the thing is that you really enjoy doing. With the atonement, we don't realize what happens. He released us from debt. You're reconciled. You're forgiven. There's mercy extended. Yeah, it was a lot going on in the atonement on Yom Kippur. It was a lot going on what he was trying to get to them. We'll talk more about it. Let's go to our foundation scripture, which is Deuteronomy 30, verse 1 through 9. Before we get there, Al, let me just give you a little back ground history on Deuteronomy 30. First of all, it's the second law. And not just because it's the second law of order, but it's the second law because that law needed to be reiterated. It needed to be told again. It's a new expounding of it to the new generation. This is a new generation after the generation died off before them. So it had to be told again to the generation of Israel who had grown up in the wilderness, and they needed to hear the law being repeated before going into Canaan. This book also is fourfold. One, it speaks to the new generation. Two, it talks about your possession, your new possession. Three, your new life. And also four, the new revelation of God. The new revelation of God which is the new revelation of his love. He turned the curse into a blessing because he loved them. He turned the curse into a blessing. The fallen state that we are in to a blessing, the new covenant. Your fallen state to where you keep wanting to go back to, your old way of thinking is I brought you out of that which is a curse, this is why you're all mental in the mind, can't seem to get things straight. These, your thoughts are driving you the wrong direction because it's your old state. Double-mindedness. He said, I brought you out to have a sound mind, to be at peace. 
There was a new generation, a new time, a time to receive the promise, to move forward. Don't you want to move forward? Time to move forward and to complete what your older generation couldn't complete. Do you want to repeat what they did or do you want to complete what they didn't do? So we go there. We can read. Go ahead. When the time arrives that all these things have come upon you, both the blessing and the curse which I have presented to you, and you are there among the nations to which Adonai your God has driven you, then at last you will start thinking about what has happened to you. And you will return to Adonai your God and pay attention to what he has said, which will be exactly what I am ordering you to do today. You and your children, with all your heart and all your being, at that point, Adonai your God will reverse your exile and show you mercy. He will return and gather you from all the people yes. to which Adonai your God has scattered you. If one of yours was scattered to the far end of the sky, Adonai, your God, will gather you even from there. He will go there and get you. Thank you, Jesus. Adonai, your God, will bring you back into the land your yes. ancestors possessed, and you will possess it. He will make you prosper there, and you will become even more numerous than your ancestors. Then, Adonai, your God will circumcise your hearts, and the hearts of your children. Amen. So that you will love Adonai your God with all your heart and all your being. And thus you will live. Adonai your God will put all these curses on your enemies. On those who hated and persecuted you. But you will return and pay attention to what Adonai says. Yes. And obey all his mitzvot mm. which I am giving you today. Then Adonai, your God, will give you more than enough. <laughs> and everything you set out to do, the fruit of your body, the fruit of your livestock, and the fruit of your land will all Lord, do well. Free. For Adonai <laughs> will once again rejoice to see you do well, just as he rejoiced in your ancestors. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> Start thinking about what has happened to you. Start thinking right now what has happened to you. And pay attention to what God has asked you to do. Think about what has happened to you. So that he may take the curse that was upon you and placed upon your enemies. He's saying here, and he was speaking to Israel, his people, and they were scattered all across the world, bringing them back together in their own homeland. He said, but if you repent, this is what you have to do. You have to repent with a genuine heart and return to me, and I will bless you. See, we're seeking for the blessing, but we're not seeking to live righteous. You're seeking for the blessing. You want your life to change, but you refuse to do the change. We won't obey. We won't comply. We won't. 
He said, Dee Dee, if you do this, adhere to my word. Turn from your old way of thinking. Because your old way of thinking is sinful. Turn from that. He said, and repent. He said, then I will bless you. Your fallen nature will not have lordship over you. I will bless you. You have a new way of thinking, which is righteous. And not when you see things that look wrong in your life, you won't speak it, but you will speak the word of God, which will cause what is not to be to be. See, but we somehow, we're, we're coming in and we're going out the same. We're coming in and we're going out the same. The question is, when will you return back to God? When will you obey his divine ordinance so that you may live? So that you can really live, Cindy. I mean, so that you can live no matter what's going on in your life, what chaos surrounds you, that you're still able to have peace in the middle of a storm. That you're still able to love when those hate you and those disagree with you. You're still able to walk in tremendous love and forgiveness because you have returned back to God. You return back to a place and position of power. Amen? So how do we return back? I want to give you a little understanding about your soul. Amen? I need you to listen closely. Think about it like this, that you have five layers to your soul. You need to understand the soul so that you understand how you function every day. So you hear the word of God, and you say, yeah, it sounds good, but there's no but when it comes to the word of God. When you understand your soul, this is why when you say soul and spirit, they're kind of one and the same, but we're not quite sure. Give you some understanding of the layers of the soul. And then you'll understand how to return back. Because we know we have a body, but the soul dwells in the body. Listen to this. And you inhale, exhale, right? That's your breath. And we know this. But this is the breath that God, God wants to return back to him. Listen. Genesis 2, 7. God breathed the breath of life, and man became a living soul. He became a living soul. We say spirit, but he became a living soul. God wants to restore your breath back to himself. And this happened in atonement, Yom Kippur, because it's a cleansing. And you need to return back to your original state, which is the identity of Christ. Then you're still seeing your identity. You're still seeing Whitney. You're still seeing Adam. Still seeing John for a distant learning. So you're still seeing who you are. This is why he wants to get you to return back to himself. God restores our breath back to himself sometimes because this is what happens that most of the time that our body 
becomes to be the prison of our soul. It, be, it dictates to you when you can eat. Same thing that Pastor was saying, you, when you can eat, what you can do, what to say. It's a prison for those that don't know the power or the authority that's been delegated to them. So when you're in a situation, you don't realize that you always have the upper hand because the situation becomes to be your prison. The circumstance becomes to be your prison. So again, the soul, the five layers. The first is the outer layer of the soul. It's your behavior. Your speaking, your thinking, your doing, your behavior is the outer layer of your soul. The second part of the layer of your soul is the, the inner part, which is your emotions. Love, endurance, compassion. Emotions. The third one is your, your intellect. The power to understand The fourth is your will, your intentions, your desires. And you need to examine your will today. Check your motives. What's your goals? What do you want to do in life? What are you doing? You need to restore your will so that you can serve God with a purpose because he loves you. You need to restore your will because your will is for you. Your will has been serving you, which makes it impossible to serve God. Your will is restored during atonement, during your fasting, true fasting. Amen? Fifth, I'm sorry, not the fifth, because it's four. No, it is five. I'm sorry. Um, it's called this. This is very interesting. It's called the tenth. It's called a tithe. Tenth or tithe. Tenth or tithe. Also, Yom Kippur, atonement, all that is still all... This is the fifth layer. So you have a constant reminder of always returning back to God. Because the fifth layer is atonement of your soul. It's the coming one with God. That is the fifth layer of your soul. Always saying, come back to God. No matter how far you get out there. There's a part of your soul that says, come back to God. No matter how high you get, come back to God. You can't get high enough. He surpasses right through that high. That pharmacia, he comes right to you. He, he'll surpass a coma and come right to your unconscious. So mm -hmm. that's the part that he knew you before. 
Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. He knew you before, before. that. Uh, see, and you knew him. Because he was your first love. That's right. Oh, this is spiritual right here all day. See, this is the deepest part of the layer of your soul. Atonement. The willingness to return. The willingness to do what God wants you to do. This is the part that you want to pay close attention to. Taking the the opposite way of what the enemy says. That's in your soul. Come on now. That's in the atonement part of your soul because you've been atoned. So it's always in you to do what God wants you to do. Oh, that will. You can't say, so That's this good. is not a difficult thing. Y'all it's don't not. know it's hard. I can't do it. You don't know what I'm going through. No, because it's been placed in you to return to God and do his will. Atonement has been placed inside of your being and your existence. To See, this is why we're never going to have an excuse as to why we didn't make it in. Oh, come on now. Oh, that's real good. God, you knew I was weak. You knew I couldn't. And I didn't have no one to help me. I had no one to teach me. He said, no, it's been placed in your soul. It's been placed in your soul to do what's right. Yep. That's true. This is the day of covenant. It's also called a day of covenant. It's in your soul. Reminds you that you're in covenant with the Most High God. This is why he said, these are my feast and not the Jewish people. These feasts are his because that's who he is. He is the atonement. He is Yom Kippur. Amen, Pastor. He is the Feast of Tabernacles. He is trumpets. He's all those. This is, that's him. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> Y'all need to see he, that. He said, returning back to, we are to be, to return back to our spiritual identity before we came into our mother's womb. He's calling you to return back before you were here. See, you only can relate to here. He said, to survive here, you have to return there. To survive here on earth, he said, you have to return to heaven. Not when you die, but now. Every day, you have to live in heaven. I'm in the earth, but I'm not of the earth. God knew me, so I'm returning back to that knowing. I'm returning back to that knowing means I'm returning back to knowing my intimacy with God. See, you're intimate with your spouse. You're intimate with whomever. But he said, this is out of order. I'm calling you to return back to being intimate with me so you can really Live. So you can really live. Your spouse can't go where God goes. This is what really, really has gotten me is that 
When a person dies, no matter how much you love them, there's nothing you can do to go where they are or stop them from going. But the love of God surpasses death. See, the love that you may have for your spouse cannot surpass death. See, he can go into the grave and beyond. This is a love that you can't even really understand. So why, why often is our heart broken and we're upset because of someone here on this earth? Why are we so bent out of shape when it's someone here on this earth? Why are we so moved by people and not God? Why are you so moved by people and not God? Why do they determine what kind of day you're going to have? And how you're going to feel? You make me cry. You make me sad. No, you make me happy. No, my joy comes from the Lord. You're in control of your life. You're in control of how you live. There are no excuses for you to fail except you choose to fall. And remain there. You have the will to get up and do something about your life. You have the will. You have the strength. You have the mobility. You have the spirit of God. You have it inside of you to be a success. Pity is not going to get you anywhere. Fear is going to stop you from moving forward. But the word of God pushes you forward and surpasses you beyond every circumstance, every situation, even your thoughts. He said, even if your thoughts try to exalt itself against the knowledge of the word of God, now you cast it down with the word of God. God loved us so much that he sent forth messengers to bring this warning, this plea, to return back to him. Malachi 3, verse 1 and 2, complete Jewish Bible says this. Sorry, y'all. It says, look. I'm sending my messenger to clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, which is you. Yes, the messenger of the covenant in whom you take such delight. Look, here he comes, says Adonai. But who can endure the day when he comes? Who can stand when he appears? Who can stand when God appear? Will you be able to stand when God appear? How we're living. Will you be able to stand when God appears? Malachi. It's a messenger. This is a pill. This is God's plea for his people. A love warning. Revelation 14 is another messenger. 14, verse 6 through 12. 
Are you there, Al? I got it. Sorry. Just gonna have to do the Wi Fi. Next, I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven with everlasting good news to proclaim to those living on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. In a loud voice, he said, fear God, give him glory, for the hour has come when he will pass judgment. Worship the one who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Another angel a second one followed, saying, She has fallen. She has fallen. Bavel the Great. She made all the nations drink the wine of God's fury caused by her whoring. Another angel, a third one, followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives the mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will indeed drink the wine of God's fury poured undiluted into the cup of his rage. He will be tormented by fire and sulfur before the holy angels and before the Lamb, and the smoke from their tormenting goes up forever and ever. They have no rest, day or night, those who worship the beast and its image, and those who receive the mark of its name. This is when perseverance is needed on the part of God's people, Amen. Those who observe his commands and exercise Yeshua's faithfulness. Did you get to 14? Wow. I'll go, uh, 13 and 14. Verse 13. Next, I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write. How blessed are the dead who die united with the Lord Amen. from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, now they may rest from their efforts. For the things they have accomplished follow along with them. Thank you, Jesus. Then I looked, and there before me was a white cloud. Sitting on the cloud was someone like a son of man, with a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Another angel came out of the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, Start using your sickle to reap, because the time to reap has come. The earth's harvest is ripe. The one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. Amen. We don't hear these kind of messages anymore, because you want to hear, normally we want to hear about, again, our situation, our circumstance. You know how to live this earthly life. You know how to get a job. You know how to, to pay your bills, these things. You know if you don't pay your bills, then you won't have what you, what you want, car, house, these things like that. So that's not, the word of God is not for that. The word of God is for you to know how to destroy the works of the enemy. It's not about your house, your car, your way of living, your job. You're hearing something that's to prepare you for your true home. He's letting you know that you are to persevere in this life. You are to endure to the end, living for God and only for God. 
I need you to hear the plea of the Father today. Because there will be a reaping and harvest of souls. And you will want to be included in the number. Amen. And I'll conclude with the, the last message. See, these are a lot of plead from God through his apostles and prophets. Is that please, he's pleading, trying to persuade you to return back to him. James 4, 1 through 8 says this. I have an L. What is causing all the quarrels and fighting among you? Isn't it your desires battling inside of you? What's all the fighting going on? What's all the conflict about? Isn't it what's going on in the battles inside of your mind? He said, you desire things and you don't have them. You kill and you're jealous and you, and you still can't get them, the things. So you fight and you quarrel in the mind. The reason you don't have is that you don't pray. The reason, I'll say it again, that you don't have healing, soundness of mind, the necessities, he says, because you don't pray. But you say you pray. He said, or you pray and you don't receive. Because you pray with the wrong motive. That if wanting to indulge in your own desires. So he said, when you pray like this, you don't pray. Why not pray for someone else that's in need? He said, I know what you are in need of. And I'll answer before you call. So you fight and quarrel within your mind. The reason you don't have is that you don't pray. Why would he be saying this to us? How are you praying? How are you praying? See, again, we can go through the formalities of praying. But it's not a God-felt prayer, the heart of God. He said you pray with the wrong motives because you only indulge in your own desires. Thus your life will remain the same. Verse 4, he says, you unfaithful wives, don't you know that loving the world is hating God? And loving the world is this. Not, see, we think it's about, you know, doing the things of the world, and yeah, but that's surface. He said, loving the world is pleasing people. He said, you, he said, if you seek to please people, you hate me. If you seek to please your mom, you hate me. Seek to please your wife, you hate me. Seek to please yourself, you hate me, he says. 
But God, wait a minute, I love my wife, I love my children. If you seek to please your children, you, you hate me. Because all of your affections are going towards that person. And you love them through your affection through God and not directly. You love them indirectly from the overflow from your love from God. This is why you're so distraught and so disappointed when someone breaks your heart. Don't treat you right. You know why? Because you love them out of order. You love them out of order. You didn't love God first and allowed them to receive the overflow of the love. He said, you're unfaithful. Why? Don't you know that loving the world, pleasing the world people is hating me? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. Or do you suppose the scripture speaks in vain when it says that there is a spirit in us which longs to envy? But the grace he gives is greater, which is why it says... God opposed the arrogant, but to the humble he gives grace. It is sufficient. Therefore, he says, submit to God. Surrender yourself to God. Moreover, take a stance against the adversary. And he will flee from you. He says, come close to God, and he will come close to you. Clean your hands Sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded people. It says here, clean your hands. And it calls the sinners. You know, he's not talking to the sinners. The word wasn't written to the sinners. So he's, calls, he's calling the sinners. He said, purify your hearts. Couldn't be talking to the sinners, calling them double-minded, right? So why would he call us Sinners, living in your old way of thinking, living in your old way of thinking like a sinner before you. He said, return back to me. Return back to your original state of believing. You stop believing. And so, when you stop believing, you start sinning. When you stop believing, you sin. Return back to me. Believe again. Return back to your first love and be intimate with me again. I will bless you. I will bless you as I bless your ancestors. And you will live out the life that they did not live out. Amen. Return back to God. This is his heartfelt plea for his people. Amen. Amen. Awesome teaching.